0: Perfect. Now I have your numbers. Thanks. Hey, I'm Robbie Kramer. You're listening to The Leverage Podcast, where we discuss using your social skills to hack dating, travel, finding your dream job, and becoming a complete man. Yo, everybody. We are back. And some of you guys, unless you've been listening this podcast for a long time, Uh, probably don't know that way back in the day when I got involved in all this crazy stuff, the world of dating and self-improvement, back in the day, it was kind of like the pickup sort of deal. Uh, Thank God now it's evolved a lot from there. But back in the day, um, I came across a dude and he was the only guy in that sort of community that was in a relationship that was teaching confidence, social skills, how to be a better man. Um, and his name stood out to me, Scott McKay, uh, because he, Scott with one T, for whatever reason, that always stood out to me. And he, he also coached with, alongside his wife. Um, and they had, from you could tell on the outside, a really awesome connection. Um, he seemed like a really authentic, awesome dude. And I'd been meaning to connect with you for years, but for whatever reason, we just kind of missed each other. Um, but finally, I'm Really happy to have you on the show. Scott is a world-renowned dating confidence expert and coach. He's got a podcast called the Mountaintop Podcast. He's been coaching this stuff way back in the day since, you know, 2005, 2006, kind of when I started.
1: Make me feel old, man.
0: (laughs) And um, he's also a world traveler, been to over 100 countries, uh, which is uh, no small feat. So, Scott, welcome to the show. Yeah, man.
1: Proud to be part of the black t-shirt posse with you, Bubba.
0: That's
1: right. Yeah, we're, on, we're good to know we're on the same team right from the get-go here. Yeah, man. Um, one thing the guys will probably uh, be happy to know, you might have the same response as that internet meme that goes like, but uh, my wife and I are still together. We're still yep. stoked. She still looks amazing naked. We still screw like rabbits and even our kids still like us and they're starting to be teenagers. So wow, things are going really well. Um, yeah, it's all good. It's all true. Um We've walked the talk around here since the beginning, back when it was not your bedpost and trick women and POA mm-hmm. this and neg chicks that. It's always been around here about authentic- authenticity, uh, about actually liking and respecting women, uh, being a man who has ambition, a plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always been talking about the natural masculinity, the kind that turns women on. And, and being in tune to, to femininity and actually liking women, which is something a lot of guys right. can't really wrap their head around. Kind of like, you know, you're a world traveler. That's probably why we've never connected before. Cause we've been, you know, crossing paths all exactly. over the freaking globe. Yep. Um, but you know, what's really interesting is uh, if you, if you know the history of the drug cartels.
0: Uh, back... i watched some Narcos.
1: Yeah, no yeah. doubt. I, exactly. Yeah. That'll tell you the story uh, when they kicked him out of, when they kicked him out of Colombia, they all went to Mexico, <laughs> basically. You know, Mexico's yeah. current drug problem is in many ways an offshoot from, you know, Colombia cracking down. And it's kind of like when the pickup artist movement, when they cracked down on the pickup artist movement, you know, with the Me Too stuff and people mm-hmm. choking women overseas and just getting a lot of bad rap. And then, you know, that poor bastard that shot women and he was a follower of one of the pickup artists. Right. It really came crashing down very quickly. Those guys didn't go away. They just kind of became the MGTOW movement. You know, hashtag yes. men going their own way. still a right. lot of bitterness for women. It's like, you know, I can't stand those bitches. let's go out there and and you know have sex with them. you know, it's kind of reminds me of the the feminist women are like, you know, all men are lying cheating jerks and patriarchal yes, narcissists. can you coin. find me a husband? you know exactly no. okay, exactly <laughs> yeah. so um yeah man uh the the reason why we're still here, you and I were joking beforehand about how I was the guy who was married and in a relationship kind of sort of like a fox in the hen house in the POA movement where, you know, all these guys were trying to get laid and kind of failing because of the, the, the canned lines and the pickup games and tactics. And I was always kind of rescuing guys from that saying, Hey, let's get you a girlfriend and get you a life. You know, yeah. a lot of those guys from back in the day who swore off the kind of lifestyle I was living are now married and have kids, but they're still selling all their old books. So they don't want you to know that, you know, right. Meanwhile, 15 years later, we're still here doing what we've always done. I mean, you know, it's been a roller coaster up and down the men's dating advice industry. You've had to kind of flex in order to stay relevant. And hopefully we're still doing that. We've got the podcast used to be called the chick whisperer. Uh, but you know, chick whispering is so 2005. So we changed it to mountaintop, <laughs> talk more about men's issues and, um, yeah, it's good to be here. It's good to be breathing oxygen. My age, yeah. it's good to be anywhere. As <laughs> it's a good, Burns it's a re, good
0: re, re, rebrand of the podcast name yeah. for sure. Cause so. yeah, like you said, the me too movement, it's, uh, you know, one of the reasons yeah. why a lot of people have picked up and, and moved. I think like I have a lot more, more fun outside of the U S but uh, you know.
1: Texas, just get out of California. Well, yeah, I'm not going call. to recommend anybody move to Texas. We got enough people <laughs> coming here already. But
0: so tell us your story. <laughs> to... tell, tell us your story. You've got a crazy story. I was reading, you know, looking up and you googling you Google stalking you a bit before the show. Yeah. Learned about your your you know previous life. You were divorced prior. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, I, first of all, you know, happily married the whole time. But yeah, uh, you know, uh, well, I, I've had a lot of water stuff. under the bridge.
1: Yeah, well, first of all, the only guy you're ever going to look up is a male dating coach who doesn't autocomplete when you type his name to scam. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, (laughs) uh, I actually had a guy look at my online reputation one time. He told me I was the squeakiest clean guy he's ever seen online. That's because we've always treated our customers and the guys we work with, the guys we talk to, and even, you know, you guys that we interact with, you know, as peers in the industry with respect, like we teach about women. Right. And um, I've always believed, you know, if I'm a man of respect and a man who believes in good character and integrity, I'm going to like my customers and and they're going to like me. And so I've been I've had this opportunity to coach Navy SEALs, captains of industry, famous uh, guys usually going from good to great or guys have very unique challenges that uh, it kind of takes like a doctor house Mm -hmm. love for puzzles to figure out rather than just reading a book and and spouting the basics out to guys. And that's that's the story of, of what we do here. The story of why I'm here is I was always one of those guys who was just afraid of girls and, and didn't, didn't have the knowledge, didn't have the wherewithal and, and looking back in my history, it wasn't that women hated me. It's just, I was so crappy at reading their signals, dude. Oh my God. I mean, I just no, whack myself. I the head. Oh yeah. I think a lot of guys <laughs> can relate to that. Yeah. So, you know, 28 years old, I figured I made, you know, this is famous last words. It's time to get married. Mm-hmm. Time to settle down. So I ended up married to a woman who was just wrong for me. And she ended up being, I, you know, and I, I'm going to preface this by saying everybody's got a crazy ax, don't they? No, um, my ex-wife has the alphabet soup behind her name. They, they don't even know how to sort out her mental illnesses because basically, and I promise I'm not making this up. She has all
0: of them, including well, they're comorbid, they say <laughs>
1: kind of. <laughs> i don't know what happens she got covid i'd be but you know comorbidities abound but they're all mental uh she's pretty Mm -hmm. healthy otherwise but i mean she even has um what used to be called multiple personality disorder
0: i mean she Mm -hmm. is crazy i mean it's that's one of the worst ones they say uh, it's one of the rarest too
1: but you know uh I, i escaped from that relationship um not ever expecting to be divorced. And, and everybody said, you know, Scott, you could, you could have done a better job here. You were a great husband, great father. But I just didn't like feeling like a victim.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I've always been anti victimhood. I've always been about personal empowerment because if you're a victim, you don't have any power. And you, and, you know, I don't want to make this a political show, but you can see a lot of what's going on in the public zeitgeist is, if, if you're allowed, if you represent yourself as a victim, maybe a lot of free stuff will come your way and a, a lot of, uh, you know, things that seem nice on the surface, but you are, you are allowing someone to have power over you. Right. And I don't like that. And so I, I said to myself, you know, I want this divorce thing. I want this whole brouhaha to be my fault. So I said, I've always just adored women. Oh man. Robbie, I've just always loved women. I had female friends in college. I just, I like having women around.
0: Yeah. I was in the same boat yeah. growing up with sisters, spent, you know, all my time with my mom and sisters growing up. Yeah. Always had like girlfriends, not like girlfriends. I was a friend zone guy, but always had like girls who were friends. And I always enjoyed mm-hmm. female, you know, feminine energy and being around yeah. women. Oh yeah. So yeah, I was lucky. I never had any of that weird sort of stuff that a lot yeah. of the guys yeah. that got in the community did. hundred percent. Anger. Yeah. Right on. Yeah.
1: Um, but man, I said, I'm going to understand women. Mm -hmm. A lot of guys just have been brainwashed into assuming women are an enigma surrounded by a quandary wrapped in a problem and that they're never going to understand them. Couldn't be further from the truth. And I was going to learn what it took to be attractive to women. And then it started working. And my friends are like, you know, what's a little schlub like you doing, bringing women like this around. You ought to write a book about it. Right. Even women I would put in the just be friend zone after you know, a time I didn't want to date them anymore. They're like, "What well, you've been so good to me. You should write a book to other guys about this. So finally I took, uh, I, I really took a liking to the change in my life and I was really reveling in this, this success with women. And I was like, you know, if I could do this, other guys could do it. And it started to become my passion to teach other guys how to do that. But um, it, you're going to laugh at this. When I first hung my proverbial shingle as a dating coach, it was before the movie Hitch, first of all. Yeah. The second of all, I didn't know what the seduction community was for like a whole year. I didn't really? even know
0: it existed. Yeah. I mean, what year was this? Oh,
1: oh, five.
0: Yeah. Cause you were on David D's podcast way back in the day, right? Yeah. The,
1: the interviews the, uh, with dating gurus. They used the to interview with dating gurus. My, yes. Yes. Right. And that right. was like, if you were, that was like the equivalent as a dating coach for men of if like you Oprah. were a comedian and being on Letterman. <laughs> Or right. Jay Leno. I mean, exactly. it was like, if David DeAngelo said you're a dating guru, damn it.
0: You're a dating guru. Yeah.
1: Yep. Uh, yeah. Still a huge thrill.
0: I made it. The biggest mistake I made, I think in my business <laughs> was I had uh, an interview scheduled with him and then we pushed it back. Cause we're like, Oh, we're not ready. We're going to get so much traffic from that. And um, we ended up like kind of postponing it. And then we just, he stopped doing it. Yes, so me and sure. my former business partner, Brian, <laughs> fearless man we missed the damn boat on that and we we're we still kick ourselves to this day so.
1: right actually my yeah. my wife was also on the christian carter women's series which if you i think we can mm. probably hit the cat out of the bag right. at same organization that's him <laughs> yeah. yeah well <laughs> I, I mean the christian <laughs> carter the actor who plays christian carter was actually a different guy but the book was uh-huh. written by evan
0: of course and i think
1: we're the only husband and wife team who were on both the discs
0: oh wow that's
1: yeah she did right <laughs> she's so cute um so but,
0: how uh, did you yeah. how so back in the day like you know all the stuff that was kind of around then that's when 2006 2007 is when I kind of entered the space as a clueless dude yeah. um so you know how did you how did you educate yourself on what worked versus what what didn't my I'm curious about you because my whole thing I thought women were attracted to men for the same reason that men are attracted to women and <laughs> I, you know, for me it was just like well I, I'm interested in her looks first and foremost. So I don't, you know, back in then I was like 50 pounds heavier. I didn't look very good. Oh, wow. yeah. So you're a
1: handsome dude now. I'm better
0: looking now than I was a kid for sure. Yeah. You know, and I was, I was (laughs) 23 out of college. Right. So I was, you know, zits all over my face. I was, you know, most people say I'm a lot better looking now, but I thought, well, I have no chance. I'm not, I'm not good looking. And I hung around good looking surfer dudes in San Mm. Diego Mm. and they cleaned up. So I just assumed that's what mattered, Um, but then I'd see a guy, you know, occasionally, well, successful guy with a model who was short, fat, ugly—you name it—or (laughs) meat guy. And a lot, believe me. Yeah, yeah. and I just, I, I just thought that's the way it was. So was that similar to your line of thinking before you got involved?
1: Well, notwithstanding the looks part, I can relate to your San Diego surfer dudes. Yeah, because the problem being a surfer dude and surfing all day is you go out with your chick at night. And right when you're kissing her, your sinus is drained from all the salt water all over everything. That That is the big dating issue with being a surfer. A bunch of guys who are surfers out there like, yep, yep, yep. They're all nodding their head right now. I can just see them all out there. Um, you know, I, I've noticed something. Uh, I mean, I was like every other guy, you know, who didn't want to look gay or whatever, who, who mm-hmm. tried to pretend I didn't know what a good looking dude looked like. Yeah. Because like you, I was thinking, well if he's getting women, that must be what women think is attractive. And I don't see it. Um, And then like you, I realized that it was more about charisma and charm and how you carry yourself and natural masculinity. And that's why I I wanted to be the, there's something about that guy. You know, there's always that guy in the office and you don't know what the women see in this guy, but they're like, Oh, he's just so hot. You know, and they're here, the girl talk around the water cooler. Yeah. I honestly believe about 95% of us, you know, don't quote me on the exact percentage, but roughly Mm -hmm. 95% of us are pretty average looking people, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Two and a half percent, God help us, are hit with an ugly stick. Mm -hmm. You're thinking like that guy will never get laid no matter what I do. Two and a half percent of us are just movie star surfer boy, hot guys. yeah, Really good looking, chiseled Greek God looking dudes. But it's a very small percentage of men, actually. And I've noticed something extremely interesting. First of all, I've seen guys or ugly stick material with really hot, cute girlfriends who adore them. I've seen it. Yep. Second of all, my experience, I actually have guys who are those really good looking dudes hire me. Mm -hmm. Guys with a, a lot of reason to really rack it up with women. Yeah. And what happens is like women, they start relying on their looks, but they don't have anything to back it up. All hat, no cattle. And second of all, and probably more significantly, and I hope this is a great takeaway for a lot of the guys listening. Women don't want a guy prettier than they are. They just <laughs> okay. do not. They I don't. mean, <laughs> you, you should be uglier than your girlfriend or else she's not going to be happy. Yeah. So- in that middle ground, the 95% of us are all about doing the best with what we got. You and I are well groomed, you know, I shaved, I take a bath, I make sure the whites of my eyes are nice. And, you know, <laughs> I don't, you know, I lost 50 pounds also, by the way, I, I my wife okay. started feeding me Mexican food. And yeah, we are
0: in <laughs> those Mexico. Tacos, those tacos food. will get you for sure. Oh, <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. well, Tulum, you're probably more fish tacos than. You
0: know, That's Texas true. Mix, so
1: <laughs> and then, um, uh, you know, when the way you carry yourself, your confidence understanding masculinity, not being afraid of women. Um, I I have this teaching that I've been influenced by, you know, guys who are fictional characters and watching them act like this, like Hank Moody from the old TV show, Californication, certainly Sean Connery's James Bond is they're just unfazed by women. Women can't hurt me, nor do they want to, instead of, Oh God, she's going to reject me. She's going to hurt my poor widow feelings. They don't, they don't give a rat's ass. They, they love women, they're playful, they're fun, they're, they they have this trait that I call warm levity. Hmm. A lot of guys are just taking themselves so seriously talking to women, like, Oh, god,
0: the right. stakes are so
1: high, you know. And they end up, you know, seeming more like the Bond villain than in, you know, James Bond. <laughs> and, um, and uh, it doesn't work because women, girls just want to have fun, and the more you coax out that warm playfulness in women. The more they feel like a woman, the more they get horny for you. And, right. and it's that confidence, that, that willingness to allow a woman to feel safe in your presence. Like the harder you push her to, to have sex with you, the more she's going to run away. Yep. Yet the more you just enjoy her presence and give her a, a place to, to, ro- you know, frolic around. <laughs> I love that word as a <laughs> female. And yeah. you I mean, my wife is going to be 50 this year. She looks great, but she still giggles like a teenager. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, are, it's mean, precious. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, they never outgrow it. And that's because as a man, we provide, protect and preside over uh, over the safe space that women feel free to be feminine and they give their feminine gifts to us. And, and that's when. Well, I mean, you know, at the most visceral level, that's when the clothes come off. But it's also when you really see just how valuable women can be in one's life and how, how beautiful they are and how wonderful it is to have them here. But if all you've ever seen is broken women who treat you poorly, you know, then you're going to reap that. You're going to reap what you sow there, too, unfortunately. A lot of guys have some bad habits and some, some bitterness towards women, and they shouldn't be surprised when women aren't interested. But you yeah. know, the tendency is to blame the other side and think of them right. as another species.
0: So one of the things I wanted to ask you was, you know, you, when we spoke offline the other day, we both kind of agreed upon the fact that to be happy in a relationship or a monogamous relationship for a lot of guys, you have to kind of go through and, and kind of have your cake first, <laughs> um, kind of get, get some of those things that you want to do as a single guy out of the way, um, and you mentioned to me that you had done that before, you know, getting into a relationship for, and that's like, it wasn't until I did all of that stuff that I felt that I was in a place where I could be in a monogamous relationship. Um, So I'm curious about that process for you. Was that something that like, was a huge sort of bucket list sort of thing? Or was it, not that big of a deal. Cause you know, the, the way I look at your relationship now, and I want you to also get into that, you know, you travel the world with your two kids. Um, you guys do yeah. shit together. You have fun right now, but not right now, but, you know, not, not right now, but uh, yeah. So like, you know, some, I needed quite a bit of time to go through that. Um, but some guys don't, I don't know.
1: Um, well, I, a lot of people in the coaching world or in the relationship space don't really know what to do with me. Mm -hmm. Cause 'cause I really don't fit the party line. Okay. Um, I do believe in dating around and I'm not a fuddy duddy. I'm not a, you know, uh, I'm not, I'm not against dating multiple women at once and exploring one's sexuality. Uh, I did. I, I got to the point where I could date multiple women at once. And, and most of them only wanted to date me. And I was being perfectly honest with them. I wasn't a player,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but I found when I treated them right and respected them and and didn't pressure them sexually. I had women around all the time who adored me and wanted to be sexual. And and listen, after I got out of such a such a disastrous first marriage, I, I didn't want to jump right into another relationship. And I certainly didn't want to jump into the wrong relationship and get it wrong again. I mean, I was determined to get it right. So that there weren't, I mean, there were talks with women. Okay. You know, women are like, Oh, your boyfriend material, you know, you need to be my boyfriend. You need to go exclusive with me or I'm leaving. And I would just say, bye. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I have to take exclusivity seriously. I'm not just going to jump into a relationship. I'm not going to be a serial dater. And some women respected that. Some didn't. Uh, there were times where women were trying to, and I think a lot of guys could probably relate to this. If they can't, once you get better with women, you'll, you'll see this firsthand. Uh, they'll, they'll pressure the I mean, once you start becoming a chooser instead of a chaser, and it's absolutely a myth that men do the chasing and women do the choosing. When, chasing versus choosing is dependent on how many options one has purely. Yep. In, a, in a great world, like with my wife and I, we both chose each other from many options. Nobody chased anybody. So that's a false choice. Um, but, you know, I, I could, uh, I, I, would, I would say to them, you know, I, I take exclusivity seriously. And I would find that women would try to pressure withholding sex, leverage withholding sex to get me to be in a relationship with them. And when that didn't work and they're like, well, I need a guy who's going to be my boyfriend. They would leave and they call me a couple of and go days later and go, hey, can I just come over and screw you every day after work? And I'm like, wait, what? It's like, you know, yep. you said that, that just forget what I said. If you're not going to be Mr. Right, you're going to be Mr. Right right now. A lot of guys are out there going to have a right. But see, the trap there is if she couldn't trap me into being a boyfriend by withholding sex, she's going to get me to be her boyfriend by screwing me so good I'll mm-hmm. be addicted to her. So, you know, those are the kind of things. Once, once you start getting good with women, you'll start seeing those dynamics happen in your life and women will will want to be in your life and not pressure you. Or if they pressure you, they know you have the options you're in control and you can back off. I had a lot of women in my life for a long time, several years. Some guys would be like, well, I'd need at least 15. I don't know when you, when you're doing well, it's amazing especially when you're getting to be a 40 year old guy, like I was, where you're ready to to have another, I hadn't had a son yet. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, do this right this time. Cause you know, the first relationship was a disaster. And I, and I said to myself, I got to the point where I raised the bar. And I guess another little tangent here, not a very long one is, is most guys don't even know who they're looking for. And plenty of women don't, and you got to know who you are, what your values are, what excites you, what you want to do, what your goals are. And then you're better at recognizing the holistic package of the right woman for you. Yeah. She's cute. She turns you on. She's your physical type, but she also likes to do the same kind of things you do. She believes the same way you do. She votes the same way you do. She eats the same food you do. You agree on stuff. Like you get each other. Okay. And that I got to the point where literally every woman I was, I was dating, I was good at weeding them out and I had several women at once at one time who I could have theoretically been happy with for the rest of my life. And that's a fact. Yeah. And I said to myself, I think I just want to pick one and go forward with this and be done. Mm-hmm. And then I met Emily and nine days later, the other three were gone. Yeah. And, and it was, and it came down to this. It's like, who do I want to spend time today with Emily tomorrow? Who do I want to spend time with today? Emily, Wednesday, Emily, Thursday, Emily, Friday, three guesses your first two don't count i finally said i don't need any other women you know mm-hmm. a lot of guys ask me how can you have the same after being successful with women like that how can you have sex with the same woman for 15 years monogamously it's a good question and it's funny she and i are are such a team and we adore each other so much and and we really are united you know, at the deep soul level. I mean, I don't like the word soulmate because I honestly think I could have been married to any of those other three women equally. But I was actually on a on a a, a podcast we're doing media with someone who's a sex expert who asked me this, mm-hmm. and I said, you know, the reason why I don't get sick of my wife is the same reason I don't get sick of masturbating with my own dick. <laughs> it's reason. just a part of me. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm yeah. not gonna look down one day and go. Ugh, that dick again. Right. And I know that sounds really visceral and weird, but my wife is, is my sexual connector. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like a plug saying to a socket, Oh, that socket again. I mean, look, I can look at porn and I can say, okay, now that's a hot little piece of ass at a visceral level, but I'm not going to trade that experience in for my wife. Right. Now a lot of people are like, "Oh God, here we go with the tender lovemaking." No, no, no. My wife and I screw like a porn video. Yeah. I mean, but we trust each other enough to do that. I mean, we get our rocks off. There's very, very seldom this tender lovemaking. It is screwing, screaming, yeah. hair ripping, leg spreading, porn. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you know we don't have the need to have it three times a day. You know we have it plenty, but it's not. It it is. It is part of our connection so it doesn't get old right yeah it, it's kind of a visceral almost a zen-like thing when you think about it but that's exactly what it's like just like i don't get sick of myself it just seems dumb to think about getting sick of her because i just adore her she's what i chose and what i want
0: yeah. It's, it's I'm glad you said that cuz I had a almost identical experience with the, my current partner. We've been together 6 months and I was in the same boat, you know. There were a bunch of girls that I was like, yeah, I could be happy with her. She's cool. Um we have a good connection, but when Maria came around, it was just like I want to hang out with Maria. I want to hang out with Maria. Like all the the sort of those other girls just, just I just didn't care.
1: Dude, I don't uh, feel weird anymore.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh and yeah, you know, at first, obviously, like the sex is is crazy and it's like, you know, three times a day and insane. Um, but then it, it really just becomes part of your connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, I was non-monogamous forever um, because I was like a serial dater and a cheater before that. And mm-hmm. now it's just like the yeah, I mean, the, you could go have sex with a hot piece of ass like you, you mentioned, but you're just not going to have that connection It's not going to feel really the same. So, you know, for me, like giving that up has been just—it's been great because it's just one thing that I just don't have to invest so much time and energy on searching for all the time. Like I'm—that's a good point. Yeah, like I'm—I'm way more wealthy. I'm in way better shape, um, and I just don't like it's—it's removing that from the plate, which is basically what I focused my majority of my time on getting. Um, even though I was getting a ton of it, uh, like just, if we, you remove that from the equation, there's so much other stuff you can do in life. So, and of course That's I was an outlier, point. just a total like, yeah.
1: You know, you make a great point there. that I want to elaborate on briefly that, you know, dating a whole lot of women consumes your life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, you don't go to the gym as much. You don't see your buds as much. My job performance suffered. Cause I worked yep. out of home and I mean, you know, when I started conducting business conference calls from a bubble bath with my redhead, you know, that, that was a, a danger sign. You know, <laughs> it was kind of like showing up to work drunk or, you know, under the influence of crack. It was right. bad. You know, shouldn't <laughs> be doing those things. Um, and, and yike, you, once I found the woman in my life, it's, it's like, you know, every, every U S president, except one has been married happily, you know, because once you find the woman and, you, and you're, you know, doing your thing, you can go have, you can work on your purpose instead of being so excited like Enos from Dukes of Hazard about getting your dick wet all the time. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's, um, I know this is sounding so boring to a lot of the single guys out there, but I can't underscore enough that like you we've experienced it all. I mean, I've lived in a 4,000 square foot house, okay, with the big, huge, awesome kitchen and the wraparound stairway and everything. And, and I live in a house half that size now, and I don't ever want to see another 4,000-square-foot house in my life. I've driven German sports cars, but haven't in 15 years. I never want to see another one, and I just want to drive my 4x4 pickup truck around and have a couple motorcycles because just mm-hmm. I, I've done that thing, and it just ran its course and yeah. ultimately wasn't worth it. And so, you know, having the drama of a bunch of chicks who you don't really love and you're not really perfected with, and then you finally meet this woman and she's one of you and she's sweet and she's kind. And my wife is the collision of every celebrity crush I've ever had mashed up into one human. It's amazing. It's supernatural. (laughs) It's preternatural. Yeah. But I mean, you know, all of this is predicated on having the ability to do what I call deserving what you want. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of guys feel like, hey, I already deserve this. Just go, you know, the universe will give me my pussy, you know. You know, you got to be the kind of man that the woman of your dreams is going to want in return, and that that kind of comes full circle to identity—knowing who you are, what you're about, and recognizing the woman who not only is precious to you visually, but in every other way also.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of guys out there that that feel entitled to it. I think, like, and oh, I mean, that's it. not oh, of course women too. Yeah. Especially probably, <laughs> especially women. Yeah. Um, you know, especially in the U S every, every girl deserves a Prince charming, right? Well, I think it, the UK
1: might be worse from what I'm able to gather.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I've never had much luck with British chicks. Maybe that's why I'm going
1: bastards in the UK are just <laughs> heads are scrambled.
0: Totally. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, and the big thing I see, it's like guys saying, Oh, I want this, that, and the other, but they're not the equivalent of that to attract that girl. Boom. No, yeah.
1: gotta, there, there's no easy button. Right. Yeah. There's there's no uh, killer pickup line. You know. Remember about five ten years ago. I mean, some people are still trying to push this. Okay. Remember everything you saw was one of those god awful slide presentations with the words that hypnotically drew you in. It was like here's three simple, you know, obsession phrases yep. you whisper in his ear. It makes him stop watching porn, never want another girl again, and 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 be you know committed yep. to you and only you, wanting to spend his whole life. With it doesn't exist.
0: No, nope. doesn't exist.
1: You know, you can do marketing.
0: the work well. Sort of. <laughs> we we yeah, the one. easy
1: button. It's not your fault, yeah. right? Yeah, right. It is your fault. That's a, that's good news because then you're not a victim anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah the it's it's always crazy to me the, the difference between you know what actually works and what guys need versus what people sell. It's it's crazy, but um, you know, once you, so, I want to get into travel a bit because that's Good. a big, that's a Thanks big part. It. Yeah. Um. I I've probably met less than ten people who've been to over a hundred countries. Me too. And I've I've my been to, one of them. Right. I've been to over fifty, and I don't meet people very often than that. So like,
1: they're all assholes except for my <laughs> wife. <laughs> the truth I mean I know there are a couple of them who I'm friends with who are wonderful folks but people who are country collectors let's just go on record they're usually very selfish very very self-centered people and very kind of almost wonkishly goal oriented with that
0: it's not like
1: collecting Lego sets or Batman figures a country going to a country is hard if it's a hard country to go to and I mean some of these people are obsessed with this but I, I do know some wonderful people who are extremely well-traveled and have great stories, but continue.
0: Yeah, so, like, when – how long – oh, obviously, you've been doing it for a long time. But um, I'm just kind of just curious in general because some it was, for me, my whole, like, globetrotting thing was just pursuing girls in places.
1: that I That's worthy. I mean, man, is this, this, this world has some amazing girls in it. Oh, and they're not all American,
0: you know. You find out that, you know, when you leave America, <laughs> there's a lot out there, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I started, um, you know, I went to Europe for the first time in 2012 without my family. I'd gone on some bullshit cruises and stuff before that. But, like, you know, me and a buddy rented a car, started in Barcelona, did a giant loop around Europe, basically did every country except for Switzerland, which is in the awesome. middle.
1: So. Yeah, we kind yeah. of did that with our kids once. Oh, nice. Not the whole, not the whole Europe. I mean, it was still. Hold out, so we stayed south but
0: yeah we i mean we basically most of western and central europe like we didn't get all the way got all the way to like poland and down to hungary croatia and then circled back down oh
1: wonderful country. places and underrated
0: so, yeah yeah and the further east i went the more beautiful the women got and the more sort of they enjoyed uh, a direct sort of style of communication which i liked because at that time i was flirty like little you know minxes, mist- aren't they yeah Oh my God. Yeah. Um, so I just kept going East and, you know, I ended up in Ukraine, kept going back, loved Ukraine. Then I went down to South America, um, you know, fell in love with uh, the women in Colombia, Brazil. So, you know, but once I, I,
1: listen, I got blue eyes, which is a huge help in South
0: America. Oh my God. Yeah. In Brazil, South America, like you guys are.
1: (laughs) I remember when I moved to Yuma, Arizona and the Mexican girls went, Oh, blue eyes. I'm like, Oh, Mexican girls, you know, it was, it was, you know, it worked well for us. Yeah.
0: All my, my buddies who who have blue eyes and, you know, fair skin, light hair, they go down to Brazil and they just clean up. So um, it's
1: funny because all the Brazilian guys come here and clean up.
0: Yeah. So it's <laughs> redemption.
1: And we don't want to, we don't make it sound like if there's white privilege associated with this, Oh my God. You know, the guys who come up here from South America or you know, those guys clean up here. It's just, you know, any it's something different and exotic, I guess. Right.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, so for me, once I kind of hit all the places on the map where the the hot chicks (laughs) were supposedly, um, I slowed down my travels and just kind of kept going back to those places. Um, and then, you know, I'd find myself in some relationships and I'd like, love to go back to those places. Like I took my American girlfriend to Ukraine, um, you know, and showed her around (laughs) (laughs) and now I'm, you know, down in Mexico with my Ukrainian girlfriend, Mm um, And we've traveled a lot, but I, you know, I love traveling solo, but I also, I think I love traveling more, obviously with my girlfriend. Um, We've had kids. Yeah. So (laughs) tell us about that. Like, why'd you get into traveling? What was the kind of the passion behind it? And, um, you know, how do you travel with two little kids and do all those countries? What about school? What about like, you know, a semblance of a you know, the, right. a, a lifestyle to, you know, help those kids grow up. Like, how does that shit work? Cause the way you describe it, that's like, yeah, that's what I want to do. Like, I don't, you know, I'd, I'd rather be on the road, traveling, having my family with me. And if, if that's the possibility. So. I hope
1: you have the next 60 hours for me to. <laughs> right? um, now let's keep it all brief. First of all, to quote, I'm a Scotsman. So to quote the late great William Wallace, freedom, freedom, right? Dude, it's all about freedom. I, I do not do what I do because I, I'm greedy for money or, or God knows we're not here because we're internet famous anymore. That shit stopped in like 2012. Okay. Yep. That's funny because all the people were here for the internet fame. I stopped getting recognized in airports probably six years ago. It stopped. It's dried up, man. Um, it still happens page. a little bit in, in Ukraine,
0: believe it or not.
1: <laughs> really? In the <laughs> yeah. Ukraine. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, I have always been an extremely curious person. Mm-hmm. Um, one the one of my high school friends I, I reconnected with once Facebook came up said you were always the guy I knew who was happier to be alive than anybody else, and I, I was really touched by that.
0: A nice compliment. Yeah,
1: I I will stop and look at the sunset. I I will look when a jet flies over to see what airline it is. I'm just an, a stupidly curious person. I care about the details and I want to learn about everything. And so that makes the idea of world travel irresistible. Yeah. And I had always wanted to go places and, you know, I'm the child of the seventies and eighties when, you know, you couldn't just get on, you know, Norwegian air and fly to Europe for $25. <laughs> um and I remember in in high school, my first girlfriend came from a pretty wealthy family, and at Christmas time, they went to Europe, mm-hmm. and I was so jealous. Oh my God! It was just you know talk. You talk about being jealous, boyfriend. I wasn't jealous of some other guy. I was jealous of her trip, <laughs> and 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 I and she got to fly a seven forty seven, you know, with the. And I'd never even seen a 747. Yeah. Yeah. I'd never even seen one, you know? Right. And I was just so insanely torn up by that. And so when I went to college, I found out that they had European study breaks over J term. And I said to my dad, I said, I don't care. Birthday, Christmas, mortgage, all of it. I just, could you please send me to, to this trip for J term? And I'll never forget. It was to Greece for a month. So my first real international trip was to Greece and we flew a 747. Nice. And it was one of the most horrifying flights I've ever been on. You know, the, the, this was an 84 and it was a horrible flight. Mm-hmm. And even the flight attendants were strapped in chain smoking, which you know, I later worried, you know, later found out that's when you worry. Um, right. <laughs> and all I remember when I got off the plane in Athens is what it smelled like. It didn't smell like America anymore. It didn't smell horrible. It smelled glorious, but it didn't, I mean, you know, you can see the pictures, but until you feel the air and you smell the place and you, and you see the stuff in 3d that you'll never see. Like the first time I ever went to the, to an African safari, you're used to seeing all the giraffes. And, and then when you look down and see the bugs and the lizards and the stuff, they never show you on TV. It's just equally awesome and weird. And, amazing. I didn't, you know, those are the things you never know until you actually go to a country and see what it's like on the street. So after that trip to Greece, I, I came the next January and did another j term trip. And the, and where I went for my undergrad, they only let you do that twice the following year. This was 1985. Okay. We're going to talk about the girls here. Okay. In 1985, it was burning a hole in my life to find out what America's enemy was like. And I found out you could go to Russia. You could go to the Soviet Union on a trip. And I was like, my poor mother is probably still in a fetal position, sucking her thumb, waiting for me to come home from that trip somewhere. But I mean, you know, I went. And yeah. I went and, and over a Christmas break, and I delivered pizzas like a big
0: dog all summer to afford it. That was before the Berlin Wall fell. That was oh, 91
1: years. It was the Soviet Union. I mean, you yeah. go over there and it's Lada's and Volga's driving around and, you know, mm-hmm. the red flags. Yeah. Um, it's a running joke when you go to China, so yeah, a lot of red flags there. <laughs> um, <laughs> flags. and one of the things that just drove me, I mean, it just was amazing to me was how hot the girls were in Moscow, just Ridiculous. gorgeous and adorable, like cute and feminine, and little blonde, you know, bright eyed, smiley little creatures, and they all dressed horribly. They all dressed like military boots and gray. You know, they didn't have, I mean, jeans. They all wanted to trade me shit for jeans when I was over there because they couldn't buy anything like that back then. And I came home and I told everybody, you know, yeah, no way. Because, I mean, you know, footage from there back in the 70s, 80s, the United States was, was spotty at best. And, of course, what we don't realize even nowadays is America does propagandize the masses.
0: Big time, yeah.
1: You know, and we were just taught, I I basically considered everything. There was an iron curtain and behind it, everything was in black and white, basically. It was color TV. It was like the Wizard of Oz, you know, (laughs) color TV on this side, black and white on that side. And I also went to Prague, Czechoslovakia at the time and just was flabbergasted by how gorgeous it was. Mm -hmm. How can this even be possible? And I'll never forget about that Russian trip. I got to talk to some kids my own age. And you know, they wanted to trade me for jeans. And, and we got talking about what life was like. And, uh, you know, we were talking about our politics. And I realized they were just like me, except they spoke better English than I did Russian. <laughs> and, and I'll never forget what one of them said to me. A little dude about my, my age. He goes, yeah, you guys were afraid of us nuking you. You guys already used them before. Right. And I'd, it had never occurred to me. Like, we have dropped the, the motherfuckers before.
0: Yeah, we've used
1: them. We are still the only country that has ever used nuclear weapons. Mm -hmm. And that just doesn't fit into the American narrative. Right. So, yeah, they were just as, you know, they saw us as, as the aggressors. You know, they all kind of ultimately wanted the capitalist lifestyle. And here we are going the other direction in the United States. But after that, I mean, I got to fly Russian airplanes and I've always been an aviation buff. And, and it was amazing to fly the Russian airlines, just amazing. And I I just couldn't get enough. But unfortunately for years, I, I didn't get to travel much. And then I went and worked the cubicle lifestyle. And it wasn't until I snapped out of that and started building this business, made it a lifestyle business, married a woman of like mind with me. Then we took our son out of public school and we did what's called world schooling which is we homeschool our kids. We have a location independent job and we can go anywhere. Now Mm -hmm. we've gone to so many countries at this point. My wife has become a travel addict as well. I mean, she always wanted to and, and didn't get as much chance prior to our marriage as I had, but I went from like 24 countries to 111 since I've been married. So all this, you know, you get married, you get buried, you have kids and oh my God, your entire life's over. Yeah. Screw that noise. I mean, we've had more adventures with my wife and with my kids. My kids have been to 30 countries. Wow. Okay. Um, They've been to almost every state. We have an RV, go to national parks. Now they're all into BMX racing. So we go around the country doing BMX national events and that's exciting. And so it isn't even only the traveling, it's the adventuring, you know, my kids have flown in a hot air balloon and gone mountaineering and, you know, raced things and done extreme sports and, hiked the Grand Canyon and floated the Ganges and the Great Wall uh,
0: taking them to Burning Man or any place no. to do that. Actually I'm not a
1: big Burning Man guy because I'm an introvert.
0: Uh-huh.
1: But believe it or not, I'm not shy and I'm right. not yeah, I've kissed the Blarney stone, but actually I do get my energy from not being in a big crowd. Like a, a big social event, I'm exhausted after a couple hours. Yeah. Yeah. It's just my yeah. that's my nature, believe it or not. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, uh, yeah. The travel thing is exciting. fantastic. And, you know, we've gotten to the point where we've been everywhere. We really want to go maybe with a couple of exceptions. I mean, some of them are tricky. Like Iran. I'd love to go to Iran and I've never been, uh, but you can't right now. Um, yeah. We got to go to North Korea while the getting was good. And I'm grateful for that. But, you know, some of the places we love to go are just not feasible right now. Mm-hmm. And um, some of them are not good places to go with children. And we find ourselves wanting to go back to our favorite
0: places. yeah, that's that's my next question. Because how often do you go back to, well, well, two questions. Um, What's your favorite place on each continent and which places have you gone back to?
1: You know, it's funny. I always, I always coach guys to give women online dating. Let's give them, let's throw some candy at this parade. I always coach guys in online dating to give women something to answer, Mm -hmm. like a call to action when they write women online, just don't go, Hey, what's up? You know? but like make it fun and playful and make it easy to answer. Yeah. Like you never ask a woman, Hey, I see this year you're a musician. So in your opinion, who are the two, the 10 best rock drummers of all time, dude, you know, she'll go, I don't have time for that. Right. You gotta give <laughs> her something easy.
0: Yeah. That might be. A uh, so point. the
1: travel questions, like, so you like to travel. <laughs> if you could be anywhere in the world right now, if you snap your fingers, where would you go? You have five seconds to answer. That's a much better one. My
0: mm-hmm.
1: favorite country on each continent North America is the United States. Although I'm, yeah. I'm fascinated by Mexico. Um, I actually like Nicaragua much better than Costa Rica. Okay. South America. We, we loved Peru, but I think we did Peru, right?
0: Okay. Peru. Uh, yeah.
1: yeah. We loved Ecuador and Galapagos. We've been to Medellin, Colombia 10 years ago.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and and you know that was not the place to go 10 years ago. Argentina is a completely different experience. Brazil's a very different experience. But Peru, South America. Africa, I left my heart in Kenya. I love Kenya. Yeah. Um if you've never been on safari, put that that's, at the top of your bucket.
0: I have not top. done that. So, oh, it's yeah. amazing. Okay. Yeah.
1: The thing about safari is you think, you know, when you watch like wild kingdom and all these travel shows with like their animals, it's that they had to sit there for five hours waiting for the draft to show up. Dude, you go there and it's like a farmland full of animals. They're just everywhere. It's like, God put these animals all right here. And, and another thing people don't understand about the Serengeti and the Mara, which is the same thing is it's like San Diego. It's not like a hundred degrees and the sun beating down on you. Yeah. It's like seventy-two degrees. That's why all those animals love it there on the savannah. because it's just a yeah, perfect, good point. amazing, yeah. amazing. It's so much fun. Oh. The
0: way I always thought about a safari, which is maybe why I haven't done it, is I've always kind of had like the, I'm sure this is wrong, but the idea that it would be either like a Jurassic Park prior to the t-rex coming out where you're just kind of like in the vehicle you're going around you're looking at some shit because i went to like the san diego wild animal park
1: That's oh, oh no 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 I, like I would rather board. see a, a, an anole lizard in the wild than a panda bear behind a, in,
0: in a cage right
1: uh, oh there's no different uh, it's no no comparison okay. anything in the wild is just amazing i mean the lions have like part of their ear chewed out and one of their eyes is <laughs> blind and or uh, you know they're just and and you know Lions, you can, tr- you can drive right next to them, okay? And they'll just look at you like, what? You're not going to do anything. I own this place. <laughs> and then it's kind of like a cat go.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And me. another thing I never knew is, is, is young lions have spots like leopards. Huh. Yeah, that's cool. And you don't see that so you see them close up. But, I mean, a lion in the wild, a male lion, has this fire in its eyes. That when every time you've ever seen one in the zoo, they don't have it anymore. They're just vacant. Yeah. Like, you know, they're like pussy whipped. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Asia is really tough. I love Tokyo, Japan. I could just never, ever, ever get bored of Tokyo, Japan. But but Cambodia comes to mind immediately. Mm -hmm. Cambodia, the people are just so resilient and such badasses. After everything they've been through, they just want happiness. They just want their country back yeah fascinating place i've heard that seam rip has started to become touristy which is a shame because when it was unspoiled when we went like in 2010 it was a wonderland Mm -hmm. uh europe oh boy i love germany
0: yeah okay
1: but if you're gonna talk about underrated places to go riga latvia is one of them
0: Mm. i haven't hit that
1: uh czech republic is certainly wonderful i love germany and i love spain i just think i think it's wonderful how you can cross through the schengen region and it's a completely different culture not like just a different state
0: yeah
1: um i hope that answers your question that seems like an arctic i've never been to can't help you yeah no (laughs) it doesn't south america europe asia australia australia Um, australia (laughs) australia is like california and new zealand is like colorado i love australia
0: yeah, I was uh, I spent a few weeks down in Sydney, I loved it, got destroyed by the women. They uh, <laughs> they did not there's fight. no
1: such thing as an ugly human being in Australia. Everything I said about ninety five percent of us being average, that's out the window in Australia. You have five you have ten percent been hit by an ugly stick and the rather ninety percent are gorgeous.
0: That's how I Yeah, it's Australia. crazy. Yeah, crazy. Insane. Yeah. So what about the 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 like road schooling, homeschooling Homes,
1: uh, world schooling?
0: Yeah, world schooling.
1: It's homeschooling, only you treat the entire world as a big giant field trip.
0: Mm-hmm. And how much planning goes into these these trips? Because when you're we don't, uh, you know, for it. me,
1: I know it says wing it, but we don't. Okay, that's right. that's a cute name for a website. Uh, and we started it before we world school, but we plan everything because we've had kids young as four months. You know, I, now that they're nine and thirteen, I might be a little less responsible and winging it, but we're not with COVID tests. You yeah. Know? I don't want to be stuck somewhere. I don't mind being stuck somewhere and figuring it out myself, but I don't want to put my kids through that hell. So, you know, we, right. we, we plan the entire itinerary out. Sometimes there's little surprises, but you know, if you do your homework and you make good decisions, generally speaking, you're all right.
0: And how long do like prior to the pandemic on your last trip, for example, like how many countries did you do? How long were you gone? Uh, Six
1: weeks, 13 countries.
0: Okay. And so, yeah, yeah, that requires a lot of planning because you got to mm-hmm. you're, you're on the move and big time.
1: And and we have we have taken heat from helicopter, very conservative parenting types mm-hmm. for what we put our kids through.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure
1: they don't think we have any business taking a toddler to a place like Ethiopia. Um, it's just irresponsible. But, you know, you go to Ethiopia, there's toddlers. They
0: (laughs) They have kids there.
1: (laughs) Um, And we also get heat from parents for putting our kids who are young as three years old into an extreme sport where they have to put a helmet on and get hurt. Um, But both of my kids are champions. I mean, number one plate earners, especially my daughter. She's a badass at BMX racing. And, And that's an extreme sport.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, it's not what people think it is.
0: No, that's like motorcycle racing almost.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's a a cycling discipline, but it's the most intense cycling discipline. huge jumps, big hills. And when you're talking, I mean, my daughter was a five-year-old expert girl, which means she had beaten the boys enough times to reach expert class before she was in kindergarten. And then they raised their own gender. And I mean- That five-year-old expert girl class, first of all, is the most adorable thing you've ever seen in your entire life. They all look like Marvin the Martian. And they all have like they all look like little girl Calvin and Hobbes pictures of him going, all right, they get up there. And they have so much composure and they're such badasses and they're competitive. Those little girls are gonna take over the world someday. I mean, my kids, based on the travel, first of all, they don't have it, they don't know what racism even means. They can't comprehend it. I took my kids to majority Muslim countries like in 11, 12. And my son looked at me and goes, dad, why do Americans hate Muslims so much? These people are terrific. I go, that's why we're here, son. Yeah. And you go to Ethiopia and you play with the kids, you play soccer with them, you realize they don't have money like you do. This world is screwed up in that way. You, mm-hmm. know? you talk about black lives matter. You go somewhere else other than the United States and and go to a country that, that the black folks own and that they run and you understand the culture and you get to know them and you eat their food and do what they do. And then, then you can understand a little, it's not politics anymore. It's human to human. Yeah. And you know, we had our kids slated to go. They want to go to Japan with a passion dude because mm-hmm. they're all Pokemon this and you know, <laughs> and that plus they love sushi.
0: Yeah
1: but my kids for
0: kids most kids won't eat sushi till they're like 16 or yeah (laughs) well my kids will eat
1: anything that's the funny part because they've been there yeah um well we take them to turkey and turkey Mm -hmm. was fascinating to them and um we've taken them places like armenia and ethiopia where they have you know the religious traditions are very different and odd to american sensibilities and my son is is very polymathic like i am and he's just asking all these questions and learning and fascinated by all of it, you know? And um, we take our kids to breweries and wineries and distilleries and let them ask the questions. Like we'll go on the, we'll go to a whiskey distillery. And my kids are the only ones on the tour and they're asking the most questions. Yeah, you know, It's the world, you know? Yeah, And my kids, you know, they're fearless. They're, they're, they're courageous. I'm not saying they're stupid. Mm-hmm. They're gritty they don't quit easily. They're not wimpy. I mean, you know, they can get on their electronics as much as anybody else. We have to kind of kick them off it, but they they know what it means to win and to lose. Mm -hmm. Both of them have probably won more championships than most adults and been to more countries by the time. Well, my daughter had gone to 30 countries. We haven't left in four years. So she went to 40, 30 countries by the time she was five. Wow. Yeah, you know, poor little kid has doesn't remember any of them. <laughs> <You know>? Right. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get her out of here again. We can't wait. We're champing at the bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we want them to meet other people and experience other cultures and, and see that everybody's different. And and I'm not raising colorblind kids. Yeah. I'm raising aware kids who see all of us as valuable and interesting and having something to, to add to the world. I I want them to understand other cultures are different and and appreciate them. Not go, you know, who are these, you know, you know, bastards over there with the pointy hats or whatever. I mean, you know, that's, 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 that's the low end of humanity, you know? And so, I mean, anytime it gets real political, it breaks my heart. Um, because to me, you know, if Black lives matter, then Ethiopian lives matter. Mm-hmm. Boko Haram and, you know, Darfur lives matter. Yeah. And I think a lot of Americans don't even know what's going on in Ethiopia right now. You know. Um, and yeah, you know, there are injustices in the world. There, there are places, you know, anybody thinks America is the worst country in the world that has ever been, you know, they're just naive. They look yeah. dumb. They don't realize how silly they look. And you know, yet we have this arrogance in the United States that we're the greatest country on earth. I remember when I grew up, I mean, this is very far away from women and dating now. I remember watching the Olympics when I grew up and being appalled when an American lost, I'm mean, like, how could an American lose the Olympics? We're the Americans. Right. That's, that's, that's propaganda. Yeah. And you go to these other countries and you realize, all right, they don't have some of the advantages and the privileges that we have here in the United States. They also don't have some of the complications. True. Like my wife is lactose intolerant, but she can go to Ethiopia and drink the milk and not even get sick. Maybe because of the chemicals we put in our milk, dude. You know? Maybe. And you realize yeah. that I feel more alive in these countries. That that there's nothing more insulating and boring than American suburbia. Totally. It's just life sapping.
0: And you people go don't, yeah, people. you really. I'm so glad you said that because I felt the same exact way and I just didn't have a way to describe it. It's like, you just feel when you're living in suburbia, it's yeah. I grew up in Huntington beach, you know, orange County.
1: Well, that's not a bad place to experience suburban boredom. No. Amazing.
0: (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. Surf (laughs) city. I mean the best, like leave it in your childhood, you know, got the beach five minutes away. You could do worse. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I mean, amazing place to grow up, but then like when, I just remember going to Europe and going, you know, some of these like random cities like Odessa yeah. um, and just seeing like the nitty grittiness of it. You're like, wow. And there's, there's like a
1: thousand year old stuff and people are yeah. living there. You're like, yeah. what? You know, I can't believe how old
0: stuff was in Europe. Right. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just wild when you experience it for the first time.
1: But no, I mean, all this is very real and travel broadens your horizons. It makes you love people and culture. It makes you appreciate more. It makes you respect more. Yeah. You know, every time we see a country that we don't hear much about on television, it's usually in a bad light. It's because something bad happened there. And, and I'll go on record and say I, I think Americans are, are very slow to change our mindsets about countries that have gotten a bad reputation. Like right now, Ethiopia is a, a wonderful,
0: beautiful place, mm-hmm.
1: and we still think it's 1984 and there's a drought. Right. Uh, right now, there's a civil war brewing again. And that's very unfortunate, but like, you know, like former Yugoslavia, everybody still thinks that, you know, the Serbs and the Croats are shooting the hell out of each other and it it hasn't happened. Where it's dangerous. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Or that Medellin Colombia is awful, you know,
0: right. You're going to get killed by the cartel. If you go down to, you know, Bogota,
1: I I don't even (laughs) want to get into that story, but, uh, yeah, I mean, but I think when you go and you see what it really is like to go there, first of all, you're amazed at how safe you feel and how non-dangerous it really is. As long as you can't yeah. away from the taxis, right? The taxis are the biggest swindle, but um, it, it is an incredible fun to go places that aren't touristy, too. I mean, we've done the bottling section, the restored touristy part of the Great Wall of China. You know, when we were new to China the first time and then our third trip to China, we did the Zhongco section, which is the unrestored part that's crumbling. And it was 10X the experience.
0: Yeah. For sure. You know, yeah. It's, it's, I've always enjoyed the places that are devoid of tourists as, you know, as much as possible. There's nothing
1: more fun to me than having a world landmark all to yourself. Yeah. And it's happened a select number of times
0: It's just earth shattering. Yeah, crazy. Cool. When are you guys gonna think about hitting the road next? When?
1: Uh, well, I keep uh, pushing back the tickets and pushing back the tickets. We were supposed to leave on in September uh, for seven weeks in Japan, Myanmar, Vietnam, and Thailand, um, and that got shoved. And I don't think Myanmar is a place to take your kids right now, unfortunately. Which I yeah. Breaks my heart because that's all my buck. That was the one place I hadn't been yet. Oh yeah. But you know the, the cool thing is like when you go to these countries for a second or third or whatever many times, and you and you get to introduce your kids to them, your kids are seeing these places through an entirely different lens than an adult does. Yeah. Like in Ethiopia, the kids there, you know, and it's a developing country, the kids there had seen, you know, Anglo people before, but not their own size. Wow. They'd never seen tourists their own size. Who were yeah. White kids. And oh God, they were so fascinated. Like I can imagine. It was like they were rock stars. Everybody right. just wanted to meet Sarah and John. Sarah and John were a little overwhelmed. I said, no, they just, they're not going to hurt you. They just want to meet you. They're amazed. That's
0: such it. a cool experience that, yeah. as a kid yeah. to have that.
1: They just wanted to play soccer. They would hold up a soccer ball and go, come on. Yeah. Right. They to invite them to their house. It's like, wait a minute. Hold on a second. We're still here. The parents have got places to be, you know, it's just people are so wonderful. I mean, People all over the world, generally very friendly and very uh, giving and very generous and less giving, but very, very much happier than people whose lives got complicated. And um, what I think is a huge, huge mistake, and you even see it now, even within the states. I mean, there's people saying that everybody in Texas shouldn't get a COVID vaccine because of the governor. Such a huge, huge, naive mistake to judge a populace based on their government. Oh we met the sweetest people in North Korea. I got a picture of my wa- I got a video of my wife dancing in the park with a North Korean grandpa and he 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 the translation was he was just a highlight of his life to be able to dance with an American girl in the park you know, in
0: Yeah, It was
1: such a treat, like something mm-hmm. he never thought he'd be able to do. and And I mean, it's just you know people are like bomb Iran, I've never been to Iran everybody I've ever talked to said is the friendliest country on earth. I mean, that would probably strike most people in the United States, certainly as I, but you know, the people almost everywhere are wonderful.
0: Yeah. 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 You, you totally find that. And it's, it's unfortunate because the news obviously paints a different picture. Cause as you said, you just hear about the bad shit and then you think, Oh, every, everyone in, you know,
1: and then the bad shit sticks.
0: Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Have you ever been to Belarus?
0: No, but that's like Minsk is an hour flight from Kiev. And I've met so many amazing Belarusians in Kiev. Um, Maybe
1: the prettiest girls on earth.
0: Yeah. yeah oh, my God. It's, uh... and,
1: and you know, it's funny. When we went to Belarus about five years ago, they were granting 200 visas per year to Americans. Nobody 200. goes to Belarus. Nobody goes. And it was so hard to get in. But boy, was it amazing! It was like yeah. it felt like nineteen eighty-six Soviet Russia.
0: It really wow. did.
1: But the girls sure were pretty. Ooh.
0: Yeah, every every guy I've talked to that about it, they're like, "Yeah, you should go." It's um, I mean, Kiev is. They say Kiev is like a little bit more of a, a party spot than uh, Minsk, but it's uh, definitely I'm just on my list. Yeah,
1: yeah. Now, also, the Baltics, of course, but that's well known,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. Well, Scott, hey, it's cool to, it's been such an amazing experience for me to interview because you embody all of the things that I preach on my show. Um, you know, being a, a leader of men, a charismatic guy who loves women, travels the world, you know, does your own thing, you know, basically says, screw you to like standard society nonsense. And, and
1: I have huge pectoral muscles.
0: Yes. And you wear a black shirt. And, I wear a black and that's, shirt. that's the the clincher, obviously. <laughs>
1: all so, the things we preach yes.
0: <laughs> so how can people find you tell us the podcast um you know, anything else that you got going
1: yeah man uh first of all you are going to be a guest on my podcast soon. i don't know which yes. yours which is appearing your first yours or mine but uh your fans will be able to see you on my show which is called the mountaintop podcast um it's in the sexuality section on uh iTunes, um, on stitcher, anywhere you get your podcast used to be called the chick whisperer. You can, you can, uh, search it by name. My name is one T people used to say in the PA world, "Is like that your real name. I go, look, dude, if it was my fake name, I'd at least spell it. Right. You know, but my parents did it the Scottish way S C O T M C K A Y. And, um, it, it's a fun show. We keep it fast paced. We don't insult your intelligence. It, it's a lot of smart guys, of really good, solid character. Um, I've had the opportunity to coach Navy SEALs and a lot of military guys and a lot of captains of industry, uh, guys who are mayors of cities you've heard of, famous guys. So yeah, it's a good crowd to hang with. And um, we are actually sponsored by Origin in Maine, which is Jocko Willink's company. And he sought us out to, to oh, wow. have us be the dating show he sponsors. So that kind of tells you what the audience is like. Yeah. No victimhood, all respect to women, all respect to self. Uh, so yeah, look us up, uh, subscribe, join, you know, you can listen to your show and ours. And certainly when you come on our show, which is being recorded tomorrow, we'll point our guys to yours and it'll it'll be a party
0: for sure. Yeah, man. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So Scott, dude, it's been awesome. Thanks so much, brother. Yeah,
1: man. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's been a blast. Time flew.
0: Thanks for listening. If you want more, go to innerconfidence.com and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for the latest episodes.